It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 381 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Work in Hell. It is October 16, 2022, and this is Jen. Now, I tweeted out sometime before today that Shattered Soulstone episode what turns out to be 381, was going to be delayed, and it was for technical difficulties. The short answer is my husband, Sean, who is the editor of Shattered Soulstone, got a new computer and got a new monitor, and after all of that, long story short, after all of that was put together, it turned out his keyboard had died. So we really can't do a podcast and record it without, you know, keyboard input. So it took a bit. He's got a new keyboard now, and and we're good to go. Right now, I have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about that uh, you might find interesting. You may or may not know that October 11th was National Coming Out Day, and a lot of people do get on social media and talk about that and stuff like this, but there's one from Aramis, who is a PR person at Blizzard Entertainment, and uh, Aramis wrote, Our orc is fabulously colorful today for National Coming Out Day. And it's got the orc statue that you all know what that is. And someone has left a little like banner with the Blizzard logo in different colors and a rainbow umbrella sitting at the foot of the uh, creature that this orc is riding. So that was kind of neat. Amaris continued... This day has different meaning from person to person as everyone's journey is equally different, but the common string that connects us all is love. I thought that was really beautiful. And it does have, you know, it's like the orc has been decorated just, you know, a little bit. It's not like they spray painted the orc or anything, but, you know, I thought it was nice. So to those of you that came out on National Coming Out Day, good for you, and I hope it went well. And those of you that haven't come out yet, um, maybe another year might be your year to do that if you're comfortable. Another cool thing going on is uh, there are some streamers that are going to do some streaming on November 5th for Extra Life, a program of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. I'm looking at a tweet from Share the Dev, C-H-E-R, that's going to be doing it, and they're teeming up with Code uh, CWA and A Better ABK to raise money for the um, Children's Medical Network Hospital. So that's kind of cool. Something to keep in mind. You might want to go find her Twitter and see exactly when they're doing it at what time. It'll be on November 5th, that's for sure. And there's going to be more details about this on her stream. And there's also a link here to the Extra Life organization so you can check all that cool stuff out, maybe help save some lives and help some hospitals and help some kids in hospitals. And now I'm going to go into a whole bunch of stuff regarding the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft. I've got a thing here from October of uh, this year, uh, October 14, specifically from the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, which is the UK regulators on this sort of thing. So they have this... um, I guess, announcement, a statement. It's an issue statement. There it is. It's an issue statement called Anticipated Acquisition by Microsoft Corporation of Activision Blizzard, Inc. It is an issue statement. Uh, I'm going to read this to you for, you know, as much as it is. It's not 
horrifically long. I'll probably skip some stuff. And everything I talk about today, with the exception of the keyboard thing breaking, will be um, in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. So if you missed something or you were playing a video game while you were listening to me talk about this stuff, you can go back and get their full information. So the first part's called The Reference. One, on 15th September 2022, the Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, in exercise of its duty under Section 33.1 of the Enterprise Act 2002, called the Act, referred the anticipated acquisition of Microsoft Corporation, parentheses Microsoft, of Activision Blizzard, Inc., and that's split, that's just called Activision and the merger. It's all this, like, you know, detailed legalese kind of stuff in here because that's typically how they work. Okay, so for further investigation and report by a group of CMA panel members, which is called the Inquiry Group, Microsoft and Activision are together referred to as the parties and for statements referring to the future, the merged entity, which sounds like, you know, you found something scary out there in outer space, but okay. Uh, The second one says in this section... In exercise of its duty under Section 36.1 of the Act, the CMA must decide A, whether arrangements are in progress or in contemplation, which, if carried into effect, will result in the creation of a relevant merger situation, and B, if so, whether the creation of that relevant merger situation may be expected to result in a substantial lessening of competition, SLC, Uh, within any market or markets in the United Kingdom, UK, for goods and services. And they have a purpose of this issue statement. In this issues statement, oh, sorry, it's plural, issues statement, we set out the main issues that we are likely to consider in reaching a decision on the SLC question, having had regard to the evidence available to us to date. The CMA's phase one decision contains much of the detailed background to this issues statement. We intend to use the evidence obtained during the phase one investigation, but we will also be gathering and considering further evidence. We are publishing this statement to assist parties submitting evidence to our phase two investigation. We currently intend to focus on our investigation in the areas in which the CMA found in the phase one decision that the merger gives rise to a realistic prospect of an SLC. This does not preclude the consideration of any other issues which may be identified during this investigation, and we invite the parties and third parties to notify us if there's any additional relevant issues, etc., etc. So the parties are Microsoft, um, and it talks about Microsoft and, you know, the Windows OS, Azure, Xbox Gaming, Xbox, Xbox Game Studios, digital distribution, gaming subscription services, all this stuff. Then it goes into Activision um, and kind of mentions, you know, who they are. If you're listening to me, you probably know who Activision is. Probably also knew who Microsoft was, but it has all that stuff that they're examining. And then the merger, uh, the parties told CMA, skipping ahead a bit, that Microsoft's rationale for the merger is to provide Microsoft with gaming content, including popular Activision franchises like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush Saga. So they're merging Activision and Blizzard games kind of all in one for whatever reason they wanted to do that for, uh, which will help Microsoft to execute a cross-platform strategy allowing gamers to play games on multiple devices. Also to improve Microsoft's presence in the mobile segment where Activision holds an established position, particularly through King, support Microsoft's investments in its multi-game subscription service, the Game Pass, involve Microsoft's ability, improve, sorry, improve Microsoft's ability to create a universal store, uh, increase attractiveness of Microsoft's advertising business, and then 
this is what they're looking for. Uh, we shall consider the question of jurisdiction in our inquiry. A relevant merger situation exists when the following conditions are satisfied. So you have to have these things. A is two or more enterprises have ceased to be distinct. And then you can also have B, uh, or you need B as well. And you get two choices there. One is the value of the target's enterprise UK turnover exceeded £70 million in the last fiscal year or turnover test. Or, number two option, the enterprises ceasing to be distinct have a share of supply in the UK or in a substantial part of the UK of 25% or more in relation to goods or services of any description. So there's those. And then they have, uh, they're looking at counterfactual things. There's a market definition in here. Just a whole lot of stuff. There's a section called Theories of Harm, uh, which describes it possible ways in which an SLC could arise as a result of a merger. Theories of Harm provide the framework for our analysis of the competitive effects of a merger. Identifying a theory of harm in this issue's statement does not preclude an SLC from being identified on other basis following receipt of additional evidence in different ways. And it just goes on from here um, for a while. And then I'm going to move ahead to the next one, which was posted on the 15th, the day after that first thing that I read some of to you. And this one is titled Anticipated Acquisition by Microsoft Corporation of Activision Blizzard Inc. Decision on Relevant Merger Situation and Substantial Lessening of Competition. So this might be the big one. I'm not sure. Uh, It's pretty long, so I'm going to be skipping some things, but there's a summary, so that might be good enough. Overview of the decision. The Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, conducted a Phase 1 investigation into the anticipated acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Inc., ABK, by Microsoft Corporation, Microsoft and the merger, like they had before. Uh, After examining the range of evidence, the CMA believes that the merger meets the threshold for reference to an in-depth Phase 2 investigation, giving rise to a realistic prospect of a substantial lessening of competition in gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. That's the first point in here. The second one is this. As a result of the initial concerns found in the Phase 1 investigation, the CMA is therefore considering whether to accept undertakings under Section 73 of the Enterprise Act 2002, called the Act. Microsoft and ABK have until 8th September 2022 to offer an undertaking that might be accepted by the CMA. If no such undertaking is offered, then the CMA will refer the merger for an in-depth Phase 2 investigation, pursuant to numbers and other numbers of the Act. This would enable the CMA to investigate these concerns in more detail before reaching a final decision on whether or not the merger gives rise to an SLC. And it's talking about uh, subscription services and cloud gaming and all the other stuff. Yeah, and there's a part in here about the businesses and transaction. It says Microsoft has a strong gaming ecosystem. It's talking about how much money it makes. Um, The Xbox stuff, the subscription service, the Xbox Game Pass, cloud games, all this other stuff. They're mentioning... um, Microsoft, Forza, Elder Scrolls, Halo, all these other things. Uh, ABK creates some of the most popular gaming content, according to this uh, government uh, thing in the UK here, including Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush. Uh, Microsoft's acquisition of ABK is a significant transaction. Microsoft announced in January 2022 that it has agreed to acquire ABK for a purchase price of USD $68.7 billion. The merger is... 
conditional on receiving merger control clearance from a number of global competition agencies, including the CMA. Now, we know there's been at least two countries that said, yeah, cool, go for it. One of them was Saudi Arabia, and I can't remember what the other one is right now, but it might pop up in here somewhere. There's information on why they're looking at the merger here, the UK one, and you know, what they plan to investigate. Here's a little bit, a game-changing merger. Microsoft already holds a strong position in the gaming industry through its established Xbox console, large user base, yada, yada. Acquiring ABK would significantly expand Microsoft's own gaming library, adding some of the world's best-selling and most recognizable franchises, including Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush. Goes on from here. Um, the CMA is concerned that having full control over this powerful catalog, especially in light of Microsoft's already strong position in gaming consoles, operating systems, and cloud infrastructure, could result in Microsoft harming con consumers by impairing Sony's, Microsoft's closest gaming rival, ability to compete as well as that of other existing rivals and potential new entrants who could otherwise bring healthy competition through innovative multi-game subscriptions and cloud gaming services. And they have some ideas here on what they think the impact of the mergers would be, which I'll leave you to read if you want to. And it goes on from here. They're separating out the cloud thing and talking about that. There's a whole huge assessment here, but there's a part before we get to that, because I'm not reading like 30 some pages here, but um, the last part of the first section or group of sections here says what happens next. This is what they wrote. As a result of these concerns, the CMA believes that the merger gives rise to a realistic prospect of an SLC in gaming consoles together with their digital storefronts, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services. The CMA is therefore considering whether to accept undertakings under Section 73 of the Act. Microsoft and ABK have until 8 September 2022 to offer an undertaking which might be accepted by the CMA. If no such undertaking is offered or the CMA decides that any undertaking offered is insufficient to remedy its concerns to the phase one standard they're going to do a phase two investigation and it goes on from there i'm going to skim ahead on this and see if they actually came to some kind of decision in here which uh there it is okay yeah we have some stuff about the decision okay conclusion on substantial lessening of competition based on the evidence set out above the cma believes that it is or may be the, the case that the merger may be expected to result in an slc as a result of non-horizontal effects in relation to the following frames of reference in the uk a is the manufacturer and supply of gaming consoles together with their digital storefronts. B is the distribution of games through multi-game subscription services. And C, the supply of cloud gaming services. And then they have in all bold letters, in all caps, it says DECISION. So here's this. Consequently, the CMA believes that it is or may be the case that arrangements are in progress or in contemplation which, if carried into effect, will result in the creation of a relevant merger situation. And the creation of that situation may be expected to result with an SLC within a market or markets in the United Kingdom. The CMA therefore believes that it is under a duty to refer to under Section 33.1 of the Act. However, the duty to refer is not exercised whilst the CMA is considering whether to accept undertakings under Section 73 of the Act instead of making such a reference. The parties have until 8 September 2022. I'm assuming they sent something in here. This sounds like a final decision. Um, I'm not really sure, uh, but there is some stuff in here about if you don't give us some more information by September you know, 8th of 2022, I don't know what they're going to do from there. That's like the end of that. So this is sort of like what led up to their 
kind of decision making process, but it didn't really seems like it's going to push for a second review is what I'm saying here from this from what I can tell. Reuters wrote an article on October 12th this year saying Microsoft says UK influenced by Sony in probing Activision Blizzard deal. So here's from the uh, Reuters article. Uh, Microsoft said Britain's competition regulator had relied on objections from its rival Sony in referring its $69 billion Activision Blizzard deal to an in-depth inquiry, in particular, quote, misplaced, end quote, concerns about Call of Duty. Um, The Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, said last month the acquisition could harm competition and needed to be investigated in depth. Microsoft could use its control over popular games to harm rivals, yada yada, kind of read that already. Okay, Microsoft said the CMA had adopted Sony's complaints without the, quote, appropriate level of critical review, end quote. In its submission, it said Sony's PlayStation had been the largest console platform for more than 20 years, and it was not credible to suggest its dominance would be challenged by losing access to one title. Quote, the referral decision incorrectly relies on self-serving statements by Sony, which significantly exaggerate the importance of Call of Duty to it and neglect to account for Sony's clear ability to competitively respond, Microsoft said. It added that it had committed to keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation. Uh, Here's another piece from the CMA spokesperson. Our inquiry is about protecting competition in the interests of UK gamers and businesses. The phase one decision identified three areas where where the deal could cause harm. Gaming consoles, multi-game subscription services, and cloud gaming services, a CMA spokesperson said in a statement. We've now launched an in-depth investigation and our findings will be published in the new year. A spokesperson for Microsoft said this deal will benefit gamers, developers, and the industry as we seek to bring more games to more people. A spokesperson for Sony PlayStation reiterated its view that the deal was, quote, bad for competition, bad for the gaming industry, and bad for gamers themselves. So there's a lot of mixed opinions in here, and we'll just have to wait and see till next year, you know, what the CMA comes up with. Windows Central oddly enough, uh, has an article here titled Take-Two's CEO has some positive comments for Xbox's Activision deal. Microsoft's lumbering Activision Blizzard deal continues with more and more regulators approving the acquisition. There's $72 billion on the line, which will give Xbox commanding control of franchises like Call of Duty, Warcraft, Candy Crush, and many, many more. The deal is, of course, controversial. Sony PlayStation's arm has been vocally opposed to the deal with claims it will hurt their competitive advantage. Of course, regulators aren't here to protect corporations' profits, but instead foster healthy competition between said corporations. Some have wondered whether gaining control of some of the world's biggest game franchises might give Microsoft an undue amount of power. Microsoft has repeatedly bitten back, however, saying, you know, we already know that part. Another company has set up and spoken about the deal this past week. It's Take-Two Interactive's Strauss Zelnick, CEO, over games like Borderlands, Grand Theft Auto, and Red Dead Redemption. Take-Two also purchased mobile heavyweight Zynga a short while ago to better position itself in a rapidly evolving gaming landscape. In comments to Yahoo Business uh, via Benji Sales, Zelnick reportedly welcomed the deal with Yahoo stating that Zelnick sees Microsoft as an ally. The GTA CEO also noted that all gaming titles stand alone and can compete freely. It's a comment echoed by Microsoft itself, who has long referred to the rise of smaller indie games like Minecraft and Among Us that can proliferate out of nowhere due to the openness of platforms like Steam and become multi sorry and become million dollar billion dollar businesses in their own right. So that's kind of interesting. 
And moving on to Activision Blizzard itself, there's an article here from a game developer, and it's titled, Activision Blizzard Hires New Exec to Create Culture of, quote, Creativity and Excellence, end quote. This news comes as Activision Blizzard attempts to remedy its culture in the wake of serious misconduct and harassment allegations. It's written by Chris Kerr, who's the news editor for games, Game Developer, or a news editor. I'm not sure. Here's a little bit from this article. It's pretty short. Activision Blizzard has named former board member Lulu Chang Miservi as its new executive vice president of corporate affairs and chief communications officer. The U.S. publisher said Miservi will step into the newly created role to help shape its strategic direction and lead its communications efforts, serving as, quote, Activision Blizzard's public voice at a pivotal time ahead of the impending acquisition by Microsoft. Missouri previously served on the Activision Blizzard Board of Directors and its Work Responsibly Committee. According to a press release, Missouri was a key leader in the oversight of culture and ensuring workplace excellence. News of Missouri's appointment comes as Microsoft's uh, working on that deal. I just said a whole bunch of things about. Um, someone made a nice quote about her. And prior to joining Activision Blizzard, Missouri served as Vice President of Communications at Substack and was the co-founder of Global Strategic Communication Agency Trailrunner International. So they hired someone they already kind of had working within the system anyway, instead of someone from outside or new. Uh, okay, sure. I'm going to do something I never expected I would do on the show. I'm going to read you something from the Daily Mail, which I personally don't tend to think is a very trustworthy source. Sometimes I suppose it's possible out of the blue they might get things right. And maybe this article is that, but it's kind of harsh. It talks about sexual abuse that people have um, experienced at Activision Blizzard. So just be aware of that and skip over this if you uh, choose to. But um, I don't think it's too descriptive, but this is what the Daily Mail wrote. Call of Duty video game maker Activision Blizzard is being sued by another female worker who claims ex-manager she used to have a relationship, groped her, and then threatened to release revenge porn against her when she rejected him. That's the title. That's a horrendously long title. But this is the Daily Mail, and they kind of hope you will be shocked by things and read more, and I guess it's working on me right now. But this is, um, they've got a bunch of bullet points here about, you know, different pieces of it that I'm going to skip because it's going to be the same thing in the article. So here's what we have. Video game maker Activision Blizzard is being sued by another female employee complaining of sexual harassment in the workplace, this time by a plaintiff who alleges a then-manager threatened to commit revenge porn against her. Quote, Activision Blizzard is a massive video game company with a massive sexual harassment problem, according to the Los Angeles Superior Court lawsuit brought Friday by the plaintiff, identified only as Jane Doe. The suit alleges sexual battery, sexual harassment, failure to prevent harassment, gender discrimination, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Doe seeks unspecified compensatory and punitive damages against the company, and former manager, who the Daily Mail has named, Miguel Viga, who quietly left the company in September. It comes as the video game giant has been under the SEC's gaze for nearly a year, following bombshell reports of the company's toxic workplace environment, with hundreds alleging incidents of harassment and discrimination. There's some photos in here. 
Uh, the company's open frat boy atmosphere has fostered rampant sexism, harassment, and discrimination, with 700 reported incidents occurring under CEO Robert Kotek's watch, according to the lawsuit. Uh, Jane Doe's lawsuit demands include the removal of Kotek as CEO, which seems reasonable. Uh, Doe met Vega in 2009 or 2010 before her work at Activision Blizzard, and they soon formed a virtual friendship in which she sent him, quote, compromising photos, end quote, of herself, a she now regrets the suit states the relationship ended when doe met her future husband in 2011 according to the suit vega helped doe get independent contractor work at activision blizzard in 2016 and the company later hired her for a community engagement coordinator for the player support department in 2020 the suit states while at work doe was repeatedly groped by vega and he often attempted to kiss her the suit further reveals and there's some quotes here from this i'll leave out uh, Vega also belittled and insulted Doe, Do, telling her that her ideas were terrible and that she was failing a job a monkey could do and that her opinions did not matter, the suit states. Uh, Vega, as recently as 2020, August 2021, had made one of many threats to release Doe's compromising photos, the suit alleges. Um, there's some quotes from that. I'll leave the quotes out because I'm never sure with the Daily Mail if that's absolutely right or not, so I'm skipping the quotes. That same month, Doe reported Vega's alleged revenge porn threat to management, and Vega was fired the next month, the suit says, but Activision ratified Vega's conduct by allegedly failing to take immediate and appropriate corrective action, the suit alleges. Doe has suffered physical pain, mental suffering, humiliation, and loss of employment, uh, loss of enjoyment of life, the suit states. Other sexual harassment suits have also been filed by women against Activision Blizzard, including one in March by another Jane Doe, who alleges she suffered a backlash for complaining about sexual harassment and discrimination while working in the IT department. The claims from the anonymous ex-staffer coincide with other accusations of sex assault and frat house culture at the company's Irvine, California headquarters. Uh, last year, they paid $18 million to settle a lawsuit with the Equal Employment uh, Opportunity Commission. So that's a thing. Um, so we already know what happened there if you've been paying attention. And yeah, last July, California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing sued Activision Blizzard for what it calls a frat boy culture. At The agency at the time cited how women make up just 20% of the company's nearly 10,000 strong workforce and get less money. Fewer promotions are fired more often than their male co-worker and most importantly suffer from constant sexual harassment. Um, the suit named Blizzard President J. Allen Brack, who stepped down in August, and longtime World of Warcraft developer Alex Afraziabi, who also quietly left the company last year. So this is some background stuff that's happened before that maybe you knew and maybe you didn't know. But this is yet another lawsuit going on here because of the frat boy culture thing that's happening again, or still happening, or has happened and hasn't been resolved. So that's a thing. That is a thing. Um, there's a lot of background in here. Digging into Kotek uh, and Sandberg and all of them that used to work there. Uh, Bobby Kotek still is on the board. And yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in here. I don't know how much to believe, so I'm not reading you the whole thing because it's long and it has tons of photos. And again, Daily Mail is not something I regularly trust, but some of this coincides with what we already know from previous uh, lawsuits and stuff like that. So some of this is probably accurate, but I don't think every quote in here would be necessarily. 
And then Kotaku picks up on this and says, new Activision lawsuit makes revenge porn, comma, sexual harassment allegations, and there's an update in here somewhere. So this one has a warning about harassment in it, again. Um, so I'll just read you parts of this. Over a year after the first reports and government investigations into the company began, publisher Activision Blizzard is facing fresh lawsuits over what is described in this latest case as a pervasive frat boy workplace culture that is a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women. This is obviously um, the latest suit filed here. I'll just do it this way. The latest suit filed in Los Angeles by an unnamed former employee of the company targets both Activision Blizzard itself, along with the employee's former manager, Miguel Vega. The complaint alleges, uh, there's a quote in here if you'd like to hear, if you want to read that. I'm not going to read it because I don't want to trigger anybody who's been abused in this way. Uh, there's an update. Activision Blizzard spokesperson Rich George provided the following comment. Here is his comment. We take all employee concerns seriously. When the plaintiff reported her concerns, we immediately opened an investigation, and Mr. Vega was terminated within 10 days. We have no tolerance for this kind of misconduct. Really? Y'all let it go on for years and years and years. That's just my opinion. And I've uh, got some stuff in here that seems to be coming from the Daily Mail, which it, it appears honestly to be the primary source, which is a really weird thing to think about. There's some quotes in here that I am not reading to you. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. If you want to read this without going to the Daily Mail, I suggest you read the Kotaku article because it's got details on what happened. But if this is something that has happened to you, um, maybe skip the Kotaku article. I'm not going to give you all of that to trigger you with because that would be terrible. There we are. Uh, Ms. Doe's complaint is calling for a full jury trial of both accused. Oath? Who else is in this? Hmm. I'm not sure. There's someone else in here that's actually part of the lawsuit, and I totally didn't see that. So I guess there's two people that she's suing. Okay, Ms. Doe's complaint is calling for a full jury trial of both accused and is ultimately seeking damages, legal fees, lost earnings, and medical costs. Both Activision Blizzard and Mr. Vega have been contacted for comments. So it's those two. That's what that is. And then IGN also has it. They have an article titled Activision Blizzard Receives Another Sexual Harassment Lawsuit. And the blurb underneath says this alleging sexual battery, sexual harassment, and more. This one points at the Daily Mail. And I've kind of mentioned some of that stuff already. And there's an update. And it is the same quote from the same Activision uh, Blizzard person that gave the quote to Kotaku. It's word for word the same. Honestly, this stuff has been going on so long in Activision Blizzard that I I personally don't want to work there. I don't have the skills for it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, um, I mean, I can't imagine working in a place like this that a lot of people come to because that was their dream job, was to work for the companies who made the games that they love and that they played a lot. And for some people, I'm sure they're fine. I hope, I hope most of the people working there are like, living healthy lives and not getting abused, but I don't know what's going on in there. I've never been there. I've never worked there. I have no idea. It kind of sounds like hell. If you'd like to work in hell, there are some options for you. Uh, Life at Blizzard has actually tweeted out on the 13th, open roles in Diablo Immortal, and that was on yeah October uh, 13. So the, the positions here 
our lead game producer, lead product manager, live ops producer, senior game producer, another senior game producer, senior live ops producer, and senior systems designer. And I'll put the tweet in the list of stuff at ShatteredSoulStone.com. But if you want to apply, you go to careers.blizzard.com if you want to work on Diablo Immortal stuff. Or you can work in hell on D4 because there's more of that. The uh, list of things here that is open positions as of the time that I found this this page um, does have test analyst Diablo Immortal. It's a QA thing. Test lead Diablo 4. Test analyst Diablo 4. Site reliability engineer Diablo. Uh, don't know which one that is. Maybe Diablo 3? I don't know. There's an associate brand manager for that. Senior support technician. Associate art manager. Environment outsource supervisor. Those last two are for Diablo 4. As our senior concept artist for Diablo 4 and senior software engineer automation Diablo. There are more. <laughs> this is just the first list. So if you'd like to go and you know work on these games and make hell a more interesting and exciting and terrifying place for fellow gamers, I guess there's plenty of options at this moment. Nintendo has settled a labor dispute with game testers over unions. Let's see how that went out. This is on Axios, written by Steven Totillo. And here's a little bit from that. Former Nintendo game tester Mackenzie Clifton will receive $26,000 in back pay and damages as part of a settlement with the game maker, according to a filing with the National Labor Relations Board. The settlement closed the first of two labor complaints brought against Nintendo and a contracting firm this year over alleged violations of workers' rights to organize. The settlement signed by Clifton and lawyers from Nintendo of America and contracting firm Aston, Aston, Aston Carter calls for $25,000 in pay and interest and $1,000 in damages. Uh, Nintendo and Aston Carter will be required to post a notice about workers' federally protected rights at the entrance to its product testing department for 60 days. It will also email it to all members of that team. The notice states in part that workers have the right to form, join, or assist a union. So that's basically what happened here. They're kind of being forced to do that. Overwatch 2 has launched. You may remember that there was like a DDoS that made it really hard for anyone to get in and play. But then there's this other thing, and it has to do with phones. Um, so this is from Polygon, and it's from October 5th, and I don't think I added this into the show notes before, but it says, Blizzard axes Overwatch 2 phone number requirement in update on game's rocky launch. Players with a connected Battle.net account should be able to bypass SMS Protect. So uh, I'm going to just read some of this. And, uh, you know, go from there. I have never played Overwatch 1 or Overwatch 2. It doesn't work on a Mac. I don't know if it works on an Xbox. I just haven't had a chance to get there yet. But here's kind of what happened. Blizzard's launch of Overwatch 2 on Tuesday did not go as planned. Many players who attempted to play the revamped Overwatch experienced long queue times, were subjected to server errors, were disconnected from games, and had progress and items not carry over from the original game, that is, if they could connect to Blizzard's game servers at all. On Wednesday evening, Blizzard apologized for the state of Overwatch 2's launch and announced a major policy change. It will no longer require a phone number to be attached for to a Battle.net account for... Quote, a majority of existing Overwatch players. Here's a quote. 
We have made the decision to remove the phone number requirements for a majority of existing Overwatch players, the Overwatch team said in a post on Blizzard's forums, which I think I have here somewhere, but we'll see. I might not. Uh, the Overwatch, any Overwatch player with a connected Battle.net account, which includes all players who have played since June 9th, 2021, will not have to provide a phone number to play. Blizzard said it plans to change the phone number requirement for Overwatch 2 for existing players by Friday. Despite lifting the phone number requirement for much of its players, Player base, an initiative called SMS Protect, the developer, quote, remains committed to combating disruptive behavior in Overwatch 2 and noted that accounts that were not connected to Battle.net, as well as accounts will as well as new accounts, will still have to meet SMS protect requirements, which helps us to ensure we're protecting our community against cheating. If a player is caught engaging in disruptive behavior, their account may be banned, whether they have a new account or not. Blizzard's decision to require a phone number for Overwatch 2 and further restrictions about which types of phone numbers would meet its requirements was a controversial one. Some players who had prepaid cell phones found themselves locked out from playing Overwatch 2, meaning some customers who purchased the original Overwatch, which was replaced by its sequel wholesale, could no longer play their copy of the game. That issue was exasperated by the timing of Blizzard's announcement of the policy one week before Overwatch 2 launched and well after the developers started taking pre-orders for add-ons in in the game so that kind of sucks um yeah and uh they're still working to provide stability for it with the ddos thing and, and there you are here is the actual announcement from october 5th um i'm just gonna read you a little bit here about this sms protect because i think it, there's more information in here than maybe the other article had so this is what it says we designed overwatch 2 to be a live service which enables us to be responsible to a variety of player feedback we have made the decision to remove phone number requirements for a majority of existing overwatch players any overwatch player with a connected battle.net account which includes all players who have played since june 9 2021 will not have to provide a phone number to play we are working to make this change and to expect it to go live on friday october 7 we will up players once it is in effect. We remain committed to combating disruptive behavior in Overwatch 2. Accounts that were not connected to Battle.net as well as new accounts will still have to meet SMN, SMS protect requirements, which help to ensure we're protecting our community against cheating. If a player is caught engaging in disruptive behavior, their account may be banned, whether they have a new account or not. Um, goes on from there. It talks about the crashes and things like that and things that were missing from the launch. In addition, Modern Warfare 2 has the same no prepaid phone requirements as Overwatch 2. This is on PC Gamer, was published nine days ago. Here's a little bit about that. Blizzard announced last week that all Overwatch 2 players will be required to attach a phone number to their Battle.net, yada yada. Uh, there's one major problem. The new 2FA system called SMS Protect will not accept certain types of phone numbers, including prepaid and VOIP. This understandably caused a stir because it effectively meant that you, if you own a prepaid cell phone, you can't play Overwatch. In a baffling move, requiring a phone number for ranked play is nothing new. Dota 2... Or it's a baffling move, is what they said. Dota 2 implemented such a policy way back in 2017. Rainbow Six Siege has the same requirement, but demanding one to access the game at all and excluding a large chunk of potential players based solely on their choice of phone plan is an entirely different level of restrictiveness. The backlash against the policy was strong enough that Blizzard quickly eased the phone number requirement for some Overwatch players. Yet Overwatch 2 isn't the only game rolling out with that rule. It turns out that the upcoming modern 
Modern Warfare 2 wants the same thing. The phone notification page on the Battle.net support site states that Modern Warfare 2, Overwatch 2, and quote, newly created, end quote, Modern Warfare accounts all require a phone number in order to allow access. And um, there's a thing here. I kind of read you the thing. Adding a phone number will allow Blizzard Entertainment to send you notifications when important changes are made to your account. The page states, a mobile phone in a supported country with a data plan and that is not prepaid or a VOIP number can be used with this service. So there's people getting locked out. There's a quote, well, not really a quote here, but part of the story that I'm reading you here. One Call of Duty fan from Florida told PC Gamer that after installing the Modern Warfare 2 beta in September, they were asked for a post-paid phone number in order to start it. Battle.net refused to accept their prepaid phone number. They're with Cricket Wireless, which has also reportedly failed with Overwatch 2, and so they were unable to play. It's definitely strange, says this writer, Andy Chalk. Uh, and Blizzard's decision to drop the phone requirement for some existing Overwatch accounts does nothing about the restriction on prepaid phones. This leaves newcomers to Overwatch 2 and anyone who wants to play Modern Warfare 2 out of luck if they have a prepaid plan. That's kind of, you know, this is not really a good way to treat people. There's got to be a better way to figure out who's cheating and who's toxic and, you know, this kind of thing. Um, but there we are. Uh, Microsoft has a thing here about Diablo 2 Resurrected. It was on October 6th. Diablo 2 Resurrected, Ladder Season 2 now live. You probably all know everything about this by now. I've seen a lot of people post screenshots from the game and things that they got and you know, terror zones and all that stuff, but it's on Xbox as well, so if you have an Xbox, you can play it on there if you want to. And finally, we have a few things here about uh, Diablo Immortal, which I'm still playing. There's um, some limited events. There's the Hallows Wake limited time event, which started on October, will start on October 19 and go through November 2nd. And it is the boundary separating the living and dead. It grows paper thin. For a short while, two realms fuse into one for Hallow's Wake, where dastardly demons and specters run amok in mischievous harmony. During this spectacle of spirits, players level 20 and above. That's good. It's pretty easy to get to 20, but if you had to be 60, you'd miss this thing probably if you weren't there already. Uh, we'll be tasked with eliminating ghastly goblins, vengeful dead, and cleansing haunted rifts in exchange for hallowed stones. These stones can be traded for spooky rewards such as the straw man sack mask, ghosted emote, and hallowed choker portrait frame. They can also be used to trick or treat with the mysterious crone or a friend of your choice. Will you bestow a treat upon your friends or hex them with a devious trick? This kind of reminds me of World of Warcraft's Halloween stuff where you go wandering around with pumpkins and sometimes get turned into something else, this sort of thing. Uh, there's a recruit a friend thing, which honestly kind of annoys me. <laughs> um, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but... I've not had good luck with this really at all and it does impede you if you're trying to finish certain tasks involved with the recruit a friend thing. Uh, some people have put it on their Twitter account and said, hey, if you want to play, here's my code. And you have to like, let me just tell you what this does for those of you not playing the game or, you know, not trying to do this in the game, I guess. So from October 12 to November 8th, uh, revel in the Hallows Wake spirit with new friends at your heels by using the Recruit a Friend feature. To recruit players, you must be at least level 20. That's fair enough, I guess. Each player has a unique code that can be found on the Recruit a Friend event 
recruit a friend event page. To be recruited by another player, you must be playing on a new character created on October 12 or after. Be under level 20 and have completed the introduction to Diablo Immortal. If you want to recruit a player who meets the requirements, share your code with them via the event page. And if they redeem your code, they are officially recruited. You may recruit a total of three players using this method. Both the recruiter and the recruit will receive various rewards as the recruit levels up and completes tasks around Sanctuary. So, if you share your code once, you get two enchanted dust, 30 scrap, and 5k gold. If a friend redeems your code, you get six rare crests and six normal gems. Uh, if one friend reaches level 60, one legendary crest, three rare crests, and six normal gems. Two friends do that, you get more. Three friends, you get more. There's also rewards for new recruits. Reach level 10, 10k gold. Reach level 30, one random legendary item for your class. 50, another one. 66 rare quests. Complete an Elder Rift while in a party. You get two enchanted dust and some other stuff. And there's dungeon things and all that good stuff. But, like, honestly, I, I can get the code. But, like, I have no idea, like, how I'm supposed to figure out who on the server is level 20. Or, you know... <laughs> Or lower than level 20, and I just, I don't know. I play at weird hours. There's probably not a lot of people on. I don't know what putting it on Twitter is going to do, because honestly, I play on a tablet, right? So I'm playing on a tablet, and if I want to stick that right on Twitter, I'd have to have Twitter on my tablet somewhere, bounce out of the game, put the code on Twitter, come back in, and it just sounds kind of tedious to me, for me personally. If, if I was playing on a PC, I don't have a PC, I have a Mac, but if I was playing on that, I might just be able to shoot that over really easy, but... I don't know. I don't know. And it just feels kind of weird. Like, hey, we'll give you this cool Halloween stuff and some extra things you need uh, to, like, level up your character if you get more people to come play our game. And I just kind of feel like maybe that shouldn't be the thing that players have to go do. Maybe that should be something the company should try to do to bring people in. Um... I don't know, it just kind of annoys me, honestly. There's another event that goes from October 12 to October 26, and it's another one I'm having trouble with, but I'm trying. <laughs> and uh, it's the Eternal Knowledge Limited Time event, and you have to do all kinds of things, but I can't remember what they are exactly, knowledge tasks and such. There's the Hallowed Dead cosmetic set. You need a thousand eternal orbs for that. I don't have any orbs. I won't be getting this thing. There's the Waltz Macabre cosmetic set, which is a thousand orbs. And uh, there's some updates to the crests. So you have, before you had the rare crest, the legendary crest, and the eternal legendary crest. And some of them kind of look the same. So the rare crest is the same with like the little green face. The legendary crest is now an orange face and it's more of like a boxy kind of style. And then the eternal legendary crest is purple faced with a different style to it. So you can't screw them up and use the wrong one. That's kind of a nice thing. I do like that. There's a resource called Telluric Pearls. I don't know if I read about this before. Uh, when was this thing posted? Let me check that out real quick. On the 11th. So that's not too far from, not too far back. But the pearls, Telluric Pearls are a new resource that can be used to craft five-star legendary gems. They are current. There are currently three ways a player can receive Telluric Pearls. By trading hilts with Lieutenant Frizza, the hilt vendor in Westmarch. Through participating in limited time events, from purchasing specific in-game shop bundles, of course, there's going to be, you gotta buy stuff for a lot of this, you know, I don't think I'll be doing that part, but I'll try the other parts that are, like, free. 
Uh, there's a defend the vault queue. Immortal, immortals can now join a queue to defend the vault. Players will need to assemble a party of four immortals and head to the vault in the Hall of Ascension. There they can enter the queue to defend against a shadow raid. While waiting in the queue, players may adventure through Sanctuary freely. When it's your party's turn, you'll be prompted, and if you confirm, you'll immediately be sent to defend the vault. As parties in the queue are invited to defend the vault, your party will receive updates on your place in line. Immortal teams can re-enter the queue as soon as they finish a defense. There's a Shadows notification tracker, because that thing goes off a lot. Like, I come into the game, and I think I'm already in the Shadows, and then I find out I'm not, and I gotta go do stuff again, but it sticks. It, like, stays. So, players will no longer receive notifications for the assembly after they have completed it for that day, and the Shadow Lottery not notification can now be turned off. So I think that's cool. You know, you can get a dark clan leader substitution if you want to assign somebody else. I do have a clan. It's just me so far. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it, but I'm trying. Uh, there's some other dungeon requirement things and stuff like that. Um, so there's just that kind of thing. I might try to figure out the Halloween stuff a little bit. You know, that sounds kind of fun. So we'll see what happens. And then we have IGN, who has, like, the best title describing what I just told you. Diablo Immortal adds a way to earn its endgame content instead of just buying it. And I thought that was hysterically funny. It does talk about the pearls that I just mentioned and things like that. Um, but, yeah, that title. That title was, like, dead on, you know? It's just the way it is. And, yeah, and it goes over some, like, how everybody reacted to figuring out that you had to buy everything with real money. And the last thing I have for you today is a cosplay from Teralia, and the picture was taken by Am Amarhawk, and it is um, on it's Amarhawk's account that this is on. It might also be on Teralia's account, but it's got basically uh, a Malthiel cosplay with like the scythes and everything, and the background is really cool, and it's a very well done costume. So uh, check it out if you get the opportunity. It's I thought it was neat. I retweeted it on the Shattered Soulstone account. A few people liked it as well. So it's I think that's a hit. I think this one's pretty good. And that's all I have for you for today. Again, sorry about the delay of when the show would be out. We're going to try to get this up as soon as possible when I stop talking and get it out to you as soon as we can. You have been listening to episode 381 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.